Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love. Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. We are cruising through this fall season, season two, episode eight already. Yeah. Our guest this time is Summer Huntington. She's so smart. I love talking to her and I love how personable she is, taking some pretty high level concepts about movement and theory and and really transforming your overall health and, and making it accessible. I'm really excited to listen to this again because we actually recorded it a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's one of those that we decided to hold off on a little bit for promo materials. Normally we just kind of try to get them out in the order that they come in but we're being able to backlog a few and we backlog this one because she has what i believe is a a steel mace program coming out yeah she's started with the club bell stuff and is now making her way up to some heavier arterial what is it not arterial what's the word artillery artillery Uh yeah because she basically would do yoga with club bells which Mm -hmm. is like adding extra weight on this stuff for extra shoulder stability and movement. And then now, I guess, after uh, Flow State Summit, which we will talk a little bit about in this podcast, she got really into steel maces, which I believe is just carrying a giant (laughs) heavy steel object and swinging it around like a badass. Well, I think we're going to have to go up to Bellingham and check out her studio and check out whatever this stuff is she's working with now. But the conversation was really fun and it was long enough ago that I'm actually really excited to listen to it again and refresh on some of the things that we talked about. And I just really look up to to her. She's a successful single mom, entrepreneur, doing all sorts of things. And I'm glad we got to take this time to sit down with her. Yeah, and she's willing and wanting to share this information. Mm-hmm. And and less about, let me share this information to make money, and instead just like, I want to share this awesome stuff we have with the world. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's roll the tape. Well, let's do it. For myself as an educator, it's really important to make people not feel intimidated by all of the scientific jargon. Yes. But to just create so like a, important. a heartfelt space. So I'm really big on like adult learning facilitation and so I get into the sciencey words but really what that means is like making yourself super personable and approachable so that people can feel safe and sharing and exploring different topics that they may not be like have the level of education you do on but they at least they can absorb it in a way that's meaningful for them and then they can apply it in a way that's meaningful for them so how did you get in I'm assuming we're recording yeah right? we'll, we'll <laughs> okay we'll just, start let's with just that. keep going so how did you where did that all start have you when, where did your path as an educator begin? Um, I finished my master's in kinesiology at Western. And then I like as I was pregnant uh, with Cedric, my five-year-old son, that's when I had my first club yoga seminar. So I was kind of just thrown in. I developed a manual. It was definitely the first draft of the manual and has evolved since then. Uh, But I was put into that environment where I was teaching uh, trainers how to become yoga instructors and how to facilitate this club in their yoga practice. Uh, and then I was a adjunct faculty at uh, Western in the kinesiology department. So I taught a couple 300 level kinesiology classes and realized that I really enjoy adult, I guess, people that have been in the field. I, I enjoy working with those individuals because they have a bit more experience and I prefer to just mentor younger 
younger either women or men that want to to learn mm-hmm. so that was kind of the first exposure and so is club bell your creation or? yeah yeah i founded club bell yoga in 2012 i wrote a little book and then did my first dvd shoot and i was sponsored by the club bell organization Armax international so i had the title of head coach uh, working for this organization that already had an international reach so that second year after launching club bell yoga the program uh, i got flown to australia I went to Brisbane in Australia, uh, London. I've taught in Budapest twice. I've taught in Spain twice. So I have instructors that are, it basically transcends culture and language. And sometimes I'm teaching in an environment where my I'm not tre- teaching my native in my native language and I have an interpreter. Uh, but the flow science and the science behind Club Yoga definitely transcends um so give me cultures. a little backstory then on Club Bell itself. So sure. you discover, so that's its own thing. And then you find it and you love it. And, and you also love yoga. And well, you're like, how are we going to coordinate it's, It wasn't totally random. I definitely, I studied with Scott Sonnen, who is the founder of the Club Bell itself. Um, and I've been studying with him for 12 years. So I started attending his seminars. Uh, I was a model for a shoot one day. If you ever get asked to do something that scares you, <laughs> do it. Because if I would have said no to that shoot, and I I had some body image issues at the time, and I was like, oh, I don't want to expose my midriff in this video shoot with him. Um, but then, and I was like about to cancel. And that was such a huge door that was open from being on that Club Bell encyclopedia DVD said at the time. Um, So after studying and coming to several seminars, there's a lot of um, his faculty at the time or now people that are, uh, you know, leaders in different organizations, gold medal bodies, Ryan Hurst, uh, John Wolf and Shane Hines, now the Onnit Academy head coaches. So there's a long lineage of people that were part of Scott Sonnen's organization initially. And then Uh, Basically, I took the information that I had learned from circular strength training and applied it to yoga asana and continued to advance my studies in yoga, studying with Noah Mazay, getting my 500 hour and then merged my like master's in kinesiology with my uh, high level of understanding of circular strength training in the club, which is based on a ton of research that he did on the actual club. So they originate in uh, Persia and India and other uh, countries in the Middle East used clubs to train their warriors for battle and then mm-hmm. also staffs as well. Um, the original tool, the mace is modeled after the gada. So long story short, um, merged some disciplines, created a manual, kept evolving the program, inspired people and realized that this program actually really, really impacts people's nervous system and puts them into flow state. So now my platform is more just educating people on the biomarkers for being in a flow state and how that can be a really healing modality for people to release trauma, reaccess their body, be able to access yoga and the healing benefits of yoga and fast track them to it. Crazy. Yeah. I didn't know there was so much to it. <laughs> yeah. That's great to know though, because there's, um, coming from a very traditional yoga background myself, there's the part of me that used to be uh, a purist and very close-minded to all of these different mm-hmm. um, quote-unquote fill-in-the-blank yogas mm-hmm. and um, and that's changed a lot I would say in the last few years and us just trying to reach the masses and uh, change what we do a little bit kind of dilute it but also kind of mm, tricky introduce it to people who say that I don't do yoga or I'm not interested in yoga and and kind of trying to meet them where they're at. Mm. So 
do you find that you're able to kind of draw in more people into this practice that maybe normally wouldn't be as interested in in traditional yoga? Well, I I just opened my flagship Club Bell Yoga uh, in Rad Roller Studio in Bellingham. And the people that come in, like we've really, we attract people that want to learn anatomy a bit deeper or they're really interested in like functional training or they want to know, they want to know more. They want to know about fascia. Uh, we have a Rolfer that teaches foundation training at our studio as well. And then one of my girls I've mentored for quite a while, Adrienne Beattie, is working on an awesome program that integrates myofascial meridians. She's done cadaver studies with uh, Thomas Myers, who's the, the guy that wrote myofascial meridian. So I would say there is definitely like a thirst for that knowledge. And I think as you continue to educate and delve deeper into fascia and it's highly innervated, right? So it's, it gives us somatic feedback in our energetic center. So it's kind of like educating people on yoga and somatics and the, sh- the chakras, quote, mm. I'm doing air quotes right now, <laughs> energetic centers uh, that give us feedback. So educating people on those things from a non-dogmatic viewpoint so that it can be more accessible if they don't have the lens of, you know, identifying with yogi culture or being a yogi, for example. Right. That so can I, be pretty I, alienating. Yeah, I think we're ripe for that right now. We're in a time that people are ready for it. But if I would have started this studio like three or four years ago, it would have been just like another yoga sculpt or another core power yoga. But it's so much more than that. It's like, yeah, you know, teaching people to access um, like a deeper level of consciousness through body, mind, breath and flow state. And using science. Which yes. I think there's this huge distinction between, you know, religion and science and uh, I guess we'll say woo-woo spirituality. And so mm-hmm. learning to, uh, rather than being stuck so specifically on one of them, incorporating all of those together so that you can like access different points. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's my jam lately. It's been cool to see the people that normally would not step foot in a yoga studio like feel at home in our space and also like the people that come to club yoga seminars often are not yoga teachers but it's like I say it's like the gateway drug (laughs) because you put a club in their hand and all of a sudden their focus ramps up because they're not trying to not drop the club bell on their foot you know you have to be really focused to keep yourself safe so your your um you know your drishti is your club pretty much and uh, it puts you into a higher like state of concentration than if you're just in a yoga class and not knowing the poses and kind of like losing interest and not activating correctly or feeling funky and poses like it it just turns on the alignment a lot quicker Yeah, yeah that activation is super important i've definitely dealt with shoulder issues um, from years of yoga. He's gumby. I'm, yeah, really? super gumby. And so it's definitely difficult for me to always remember to activate and, you know, pull everything down, drop my shoulders back, activate all the muscles on my back and sides that are actually working instead of just like, oh, I'm going to do a chaturanga and just fall because I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super interested to try it out on yeah. a on a higher level. She keeps telling me that I need to to go and do it and play with having that extra weight um and yeah. so is that just how, how much does it weigh um we have three pound and five pound club bells okay. and then i've kind of evolved my practice now to include steel mace which are seven pound and ten pound so there's always somewhere to go you know you mm-hmm. plateau i plateaued eventually after five years of teaching club yoga i was like i need something else and so i got a little stagnant in my practice and then i saw leo savage doing his 
steel mace dance and I was like whoa this dude is doing like club yoga style movement but with a way bigger weapon and it looks rad and then I got I fell in love with the mace and so now Hmm. the mace is um, just my new endeavor is to train movement patterns under load and there's like there's a mechanism behind that when you train uh, global movement patterns with a light load whether it's a club or a mace you basically recruit um, a lot of Uh, motor units within the entire kinetic chain so basically you're lighting up the switch a lot more Uh, and so what's what happens is when you take the load away your your nervous system remembers the contractile history of the load so trying to dumb this down a bit or like so for people that don't quite understand that terminology you're recruiting more power with the load so that when you take the load away your body is stronger and you have more activation you have more stability in those areas so this program I'm working on right now that will be launching super soon, Steel Mace Vinyasa, is like club yoga to the next level. And it's it's even more, um, I guess it's just training different movement patterns in a circular fashion. So similar to like flow arts with people that train with poi or staff or hoops or training in 6D where I'm doing this like movement with my hand like an infinity sign. You're clearing your energetic field when you use mace and that's why it's so soothing for your body is because you have this energetic field on the outside of your physical body and as you move in that circular spherical pattern it puts the mind in a really calm state and there's also like a primal sort of ancient reason why we you know we use clubs our ancestors use clubs for building a fire for protection for hunting like it is it's a physical it's a symbol of like physical prowess and health and vitality so as we sort of learn to maneuver these clubs in mace it's like really tapping into that primal nature so yes come to club yoga when when he's (laughs) signing up i think a lot of his uh health issues too have to do with energetics and stuff that he needs to kind of work through on a lot of different levels what's going on oh i've got (laughs) i've got tons of things uh so i got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when i was 16 years old um so just autoimmune disorders and um, been dealing with that for a long time. And that's, that was kind of my entryway into yoga. So doctor after years of being like, you should just try yoga. I was like, uh, okay, what is stretching going to do? Uh, but yeah, that kind of put me on this path and I had already been on a path of, uh, my own self-discovery and attempting to break through, you know, barriers, like she was saying energetically of things that are going on. But the, the more I understand, I mean, there's a difference between someone telling you to do something and you truly understanding. And I've been told my entire life, like, oh, you need to like work out. People are always like, oh yeah, working out helps with depression. And when I was in uh, high school, I was always playing competitive sports. Like I went to the junior Olympics for water polo, like sports for my world. And then I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and like ended up in the hospital, like lost a ton of weight and was kind of emaciated and was Mm. unable to start working out again because my body would just shut down anytime I tried to like work. Um, And that's where yoga came into play so that I could work out. But then I injured kind of in my own way, both of my shoulders um, in my teacher training because I was just pushing too hard Mm. and not activating in the correct ways. Wow. Yeah. So now like I deal with, uh, shoulder issues and then just like physical stomach issues all of the time and then uh, surrounding anxiety issues that have come through all of that and so it's kind of this 
bundle of information. Well, I would love to invite you guys both. If you if you have an interest to come and study with me, I'd love to just guest you guys at my next Club Bell Yoga seminar. I've got one in October on the 20, 20th through the 23rd and then another in March. But learning to actually like become your own coach and there's this um, training modality that I learned from Scott Sonnen, who's like an expert in flow science and flow psychology and the physiology of flow is to to map your workouts on what's called a four-day wave. So it's recovery-based training that really uh, allows you to um, allow your nervous system the time to not overtrain. Uh, but then also, in, so it goes, the four-day wave is, if you look at a sine wave, mm-hmm. it's like a wave. Uh, the bottom part of the uh, the wave would be the no intensity day. So that'd be like your joint mobility, your restorative, your yin. Then the next day is your uh, low intensity. So that would be just like your traditional yoga, like your sun si- three sun salutation A, three sun salutation B, or some modified version of primary series or whatever your yoga asana practice is. And then you ramp up on moderate. Your moderate intensity day is when you're cultivating flow state. So really working on like precision-based training. So a lot of the systems like the club yoga work Workouts or flow fits another modality you're trying to get into this actual state of flow during your workout and their intervals but the goal is not to to bring you to like a state of exhaustion in the interval the goal is to stimulate the neuroimmunoendocrine response which happens when your breath is synchronized and you're hitting these perfect points it's like body origami like training and you're training different levels of breath between minutes 12 and 18 the nie response kicks on so neuroimmunoendocrine meaning your immune system boosts up your endocrine system regulates Mm. you're able to actually like go into that healing state so moderate intensity would be like 70 percent of heart rate max doing the interval and then you do the same exact workout the next day versus taking like a a rest off a day of rest because when you do it the next day your nervous system has road mapped it so it knows exactly what that workout's going to feel like and your goal during the workout is to actually bring your heart rate down not mm. to so to bring it down as quickly as possible in between your resting rounds so we do this specific style of breathing that triggers the parasympathetic nervous system so I, if you want to come and like learn all this stuff in person I would totally love to just help you because I've had many clients that have struggled with autoimmune disorder and as they start to take on these principles, training on the four-day wave, training with clubs, and just scaling it down as much as they need to, like I've seen some really amazing progress in clients that have that, and I'd love to help you. So, nice. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely super interested because that was always my issue is overtraining. Yeah. When, mm-hmm. when you get to a point of uh, pushing yourself as an 18-year-old to the absolute limits to take some time off and then come back into it and start at like a quarter or a half of where you were mm-hmm. was so difficult mentally that I would just push it too hard and then end up working out too hard for a week or something and then just be exhausted and crash again. And that happens over and over. It happens in different, like in the gym culture when people just like lift heavy or like sporadic training. But when you really map it out like a wave, you're actually like peaking at that high intensity day and then you're dropping back down to recover. No low mod high no low mod high and it's like there's different variations on the wave all of my programs have this like interwoven into it but it's like a much more sustainable way to train and you're like training with a purpose so every i train my students like every time you go into a training session or a flow session it's like what what physical goals do you have and what emotional goals do you have and how do you want to feel how can you cultivate 
how you actually want to feel with your workout. Like maybe you need to move some stagnant energy out, or maybe you need to like think about a big project that you have going and like how it's going to serve people. So it's like taking that mental, that's like the next level of like flow state of mind coaching is like, you know, training with a purpose and using your training as a tool to really manifest what you want to bring into reality. And I love that that's the yoga because it's really easy to get hung up on. We do these yoga asanas with a club bell or with a mace and that's the yoga part. But really what you're talking about is the yoga part, right? It has nothing necessarily to do with the asana. Um, and I think, I think that for you, for Jordan, it just seems like a lot of it too is the uh, recruitment of, of it. So I, I've worked with them quite a bit and it's hard to tell if stuff's working, you know, if things are actually turning on and actually firing because he's figured out so well how to, <laughs> yeah. how to not. Well, I think figuring out what your baseline measurements and like how you define success, like if you're able to track your, your, um, energy levels like on a Likert scale scale from one to ten like have a few different things that you're tracking throughout the process of taking on a new training regime and then as you start to see your energy levels you know go from like a two to like a five or a six you're going to see success there or your pain levels like if you're to rate your overall inflammation in your you know your shoulders your knees or wherever you're feeling most inflamed like if you can actually rate that on like perceived inflammation of your joints I don't know if that's one like are there any markers that come up for you that would help you define success psoriasis well that's one but a lot yeah. of it is just like health wise i mean I've, I've attempted to do stuff with tracking what i eat and whatnot doing elimination diets and we are on a pretty strict diet anyway that is that i've learned over years of different ways to figure it out and i think i'm finally at an age now where i'm ready to do that kind of stuff like I said, it took me until I was, what, 24, 25 to actually try yoga and tried it, did it a lot, and then kind of tapered back off. And so I'm finally at a point right now where I think I'm I'm ready to put in the extra work to put all the pieces together. Because yeah. it, it's easy to get in life obsessed with one piece of the puzzle and almost feeling as though that one piece is the final piece. And if I put that final piece in, everything's going to make sense. Um but it's just really the next piece of the puzzle and then attempting to add all those together. And I'm finding at a place in my life where it's like, all right, how do I get these next pieces to like try to make more of a semblance of a picture? <laughs> but it's the wave. So it's four days of building basically. And then is that three days off after? No, it's a continuous wave. So it'd oh. be no low mod high, no low mod high. Gotcha. So in a seven day period, I've, oftentimes will help people like adapt their waves so that every week is the same. So mm -hmm. that would be like the base level of no low mod high. But if somebody was like a high level athlete, they'd be doing mod mod high high, no low mod. So they would be like doing a, a larger sort of volume in the mod high one. And then they would take like three days to uh, basically flush their their myofascial system um, and like allow their the fibers to return to their natural resting length after a workout you shorten right and so you want to make sure that you bathe your myofascial matrix in ground substance to keep everything lubricated and elastic so mobility training basically different yeah. than yoga mobility training is like repetitions of like pulping your fascia so like 
sometimes yoga is just really focused on the stretch and like increasing the range of motion and holding it there for like a long time. Whereas like mobility training, you're going into your end range with a one breath and then you're going out of it. So like picture like, you know, you're in cat cow position and you're doing kneeling arm threads like mm-hmm. over and over. That would be like pulping the fascia in your mid back with repetitions. I just did a class with Tiffany Crookshank online yesterday and that was exactly what it was. It nice. was the pumping a the fascia and there was a lot of repetitive but she kind of just warned people ahead of time like all right you're going to be doing this over and over and over Mm -hmm. um but it's for a greater purpose and yeah I liked it I could feel I definitely felt yeah I wanted to felt very different (laughs) yeah it's definitely a different sort of rhythm than just like asana asana is awesome because you're using the ujjayi breath and you're having that suspended pause moment which really gets you into that like relaxation stage Mm -hmm. for your parasympathetic but I think with the more of the mobility style training that's definitely becoming way more popular you're you know you're kind of applying a bit more biomechanics and kinesiology to it too but i wanted to go back to quickly to jordan when you're chatting or talking about um you know having all the pieces uh, one thing that i've been really delving into with the flow state summit we just had is wanting to learn more about cryotherapy and wim hof breathing and i wonder Mm -hmm. like there's there's so many anecdotal stories and now a lot of research coming out about cryotherapy so have you froze yourself in a bathtub yet not yet i have wanted to go do actual cryotherapy but the cost of it i haven't gone and done it um expensive yeah ice in a bathtub yeah true so (laughs) 30 days that's the other thing that i've i've listened to a lot of um i know all about all the wim hof stuff i've been super intrigued i've uh there's been several times I've almost gone and done it. We almost did it with Gordon in uh, Arizona, Arizona yeah. but the timing didn't work out. And it was always tough for me. Um, there's something we do as humans where we idolize certain individuals, mm. especially when you hear them in a spotlight, you hear the amazing things they can do. And so one of those was Wim Hof. And so, Did you idolize him? Uh, no. Through hearing him on the Joe Rogan podcast, for sure. Like yeah. listening to his story, um, hearing the things he could do was definitely super intriguing. Could I, I've spent years doing everything I could to try to figure it out. I've been, what, gluten free for, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years 12, now, I think. Yeah. And then like dairy free for 10. Um, so like, and I've cut down tons of other things like basically essentially zero processed sugars mm-hmm. like awesome. we did ketogenic diet for like five months like i've done lots and lots of things diet based to mm-hmm. attempt to quell my chronic inflammation mm-hmm. um and the wim hof stuff just sounded in its way almost too good to be true but like really intriguing um and so i've seen a lot about it um but every time there's like a workshop or something, it's like, here's this person who studied under Wim Hof, come try the method. And my brain has always been like, I don't really want to go pay a bunch of money to go like. You want to study with the man himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. You can get started on the Wim Hof method before you meet him. And then by the time you meet him, it's going to mean way more because you yeah. have that experiential sort of experience yeah. to draw on. But yeah, Cold water is just really cold. It's so scary. So... <laughs> If you're down, I kind of, I have this aversion to cold too. And I did the Wim Hof um, workshop at the Flow State Summit, which we just had. You guys were at it on Sunday, but we, you guys came like Sunday afternoon, but we had two um, Wim Hof workshops that were two hours long at 8 a.m. on Saturday, 8 a.m. on Sunday. And 
what basically what we did just to give you the lowdown is there's this breathing pattern that you do where you're basically doing like 30 or 40 rounds of breath and I'm totally going to slaughter the Wim Hof method so just this is what I perceived it as so you're basically building up to you'll do the 30 or 40 rounds of inhale exhale through the mouth and it's just like like over oxygenating your brain and then after the 30 or 40 rounds however many it was then we had to do a suspended breath the first one was 30 seconds we suspended our breath all right I can handle 30 seconds but you're with a group of like 40 people so you have to like do the thing then you do another 30 40 rounds of that holotropic style breathing i don't know if that's technically the term but it definitely felt like we were over oxygenating our brain and then we did a suspended breath for one minute and then we built up to a minute and a half and in that minute and a half one it's long it's a long time yeah. like you're going to places where you're like am i gonna die like people actually have these like out of body experiences because you're depriving yourself of oxygen for that moment but it does something to your nervous system where you that's preparing you for the cold therapy and then i think he might have taken us through a two minute one and like time sped up or slowed down or we were like in another dimension or something in that two minute hold like it's a long time and I think he can the guy Benjamin Pelton who will be back at Flow State Summit next year um leading he's a level three Wim Hof instructor I totally trust him he's a coaching colleague of mine I've known him for years through the CST community as well um so we're both into club bells and flow fit and things um but yeah he's an expert and I trusted him to go on that journey and then we did this like group ice therapy in in this giant kiddie pool basically with uh I think it was like 800 pounds of ice in there and that shit is scary like I got in there and I could like my shoulders tensed up and everything but there's something with there's the power of like being in there with a bunch of people and knowing that you have somebody that's sharing it with you so if you want to start getting on the Wim Hof train I've been wanting to too and we could like have a little accountability buddy system that's a good idea if you want to try 30 days of swimming yeah we uh get your ice after work throw in the bathtub it's two minutes you only have to be in the ice for two minutes you do the you do the breathing thing like i can't even do cold showers yeah like like two summers ago remember i did cold showers remember i did cold showers the entire summer because i was like really into the wim hof thing and you know the showers were what 60 degrees so it's not like it's ice by any means but like it feels super cold when you're in a 60 degree shower some, so getting in like 35 degree water is real cold. Yeah. And something happens though, when you're in that place where you realize that you're not your physical vessel. And I think you guys will really get it as yogis, mm-hmm. just knowing that this is just your meat suit, you know, yeah. like there's so much more to you, your soul, your consciousness, you're not your physical body. And like, what were to happen if like someday you got an accident and you had, didn't have access to your physical body, like you'd still be you, you know, like have you ever imagined that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we did a, I went and did a seven day mushroom cultivation course in Oregon this last spring. Wow. And we went to these hot springs and they were the coolest hot springs I've ever been to in my life. Beautiful. Down in Southern Oregon. And it was, uh, it had like just snowed like that weekend. uh, And so that later that week we went to these, there was no more snow on the ground. It was like warmer after that point. When was that? Was that March? Yeah, end of March. Um, And then the hot springs were right on this river. And so we're all hanging out in the hot springs. And then this kid that was doing it with us uh, was certified in Wim Hof. And so he took us down to the river that was right there. And it was super cold river. And we all went and like sat down in the river. And he guided us through like two minutes of the Wim Hof breathing. Nice. Just basically. And then you did the cold yeah. after the breathing. See, that's that's really all it is. Like anyone can learn it. You can Google it. There's videos on it. But it's like, you know, was it Patabi Joyce or Iyengar? That said, yoga is 99, I think it's Iyengar. Iyengar, yeah. Uh, you know, yoga is 99% practice, 1% theory. It's 
like we can know all this stuff about how cryotherapy is going to help us. We can hear about it and we can have these mental blocks about, oh, I need to study with the founder. But it's like it could be as simple as like you and I making an agreement like, hey, I'm going to do I'm going to buy ice, five bags of ice every time I go to my studio. I'm going to do my three rounds of that breathing technique that I Google on the Googles. And we're going to like bring it into relationship and we're going to then become we're going to then experience it. And then it's that that practice that it becomes and it's no longer theory because it's not going to help us if we just know about it yeah that's totally me i'm yeah. 100 theory Jordan. i have so much He's so <laughs> theory. yeah that's I'm, your... a, I'm a coach i will like we will become each other's coaches for wim hof at least maybe that's your <clears throat> new burning man name theory <laughs> whoa did you guys go to the burn this year Mm-mm. no I, I had a ticket and we planned on going but it was just too much chaos dude i had a ticket too and i was like so mentally prepared i thought for going and i was gonna be going with my good friend uh, ariana who heads up a camp called gator docks and it was like you know she was doing this escape back from a hot air balloon it's like a circus uh, camp wow. where they were doing a lot of vaudeville sort of stuff and i i had this like con inner conflict in my heart and my body about going and spending and dedicating like 12 days of my life right now to being in the desert and being and playing and just like it just felt like a little frivolous to me at the time and I have you ever been yeah okay yeah I went with Riley actually oh nice yeah back in the day yeah yeah yeah. we went through that same dilemma (laughs) we decided I think not even a month before we were like we just can't because it's a big process to go from like I have a ticket I had early entry I was going to be on the build team great camp we had two great camp options we were going to teach like it was really hard to say so we got married August 11th yeah and then the burn was what end of August oh this August yeah Yeah. oh congrats I saw some of your wedding pictures yeah so that was super recent and then it was just just planning it was like there's a weddings are a lot of work especially yeah it was just so there's there's wedding planning (laughs) there was other stuff going on and we went two years ago and had the toughest time you can have getting mm-hmm. there. Our RV that we were gifted broke down. I like remember eight times. the RV. <laughs> the people, the people listening to the podcast probably know the story by heart by now, but we had a shit storm getting there and getting home. And so the, the whole daunting process of going back, having everything ready and sorted, plus getting married, plus we had just spent two weeks in Italy doing kind of like a pre-honeymoon thing to visit family and nice. like which was amazing That's life. <laughs> yeah right and, that, and we're then, not complaining and then we were just at a point where we were like it's just if there's this much like pullback and this much issue going into it we're, we're not gonna experience it and be able to enjoy it to the level that we need to be able to mm. so we just made the executive decision pull yeah. back when we had already blocked it off on our calendar. Same. So I took a month off of work. I did a staycation instead and it was mm-hmm. yeah, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it freed up a week and a half to two weeks for us where we didn't have any work obligations. And not to say we didn't feel that was some work, but we, we, we were able to just take a step back. And I think that was really important because we didn't go on a honeymoon after the wedding. And there is this kind of exhaustion after the wedding mm-hmm. where you just like, uh, I need, I need a Burning second. Burning Man was kind of going to be our <laughs> honeymoon, but it was kind of like, we wanted a honeymoon where you go lay on the beach not we're gonna go on the sand and spend like 12 days like you said of just like exhausting exhaustion yeah 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 invigorating but exhausting i think i definitely want to go back and that's one thing i learned after this but i realized that i need to like after facilitating flow state summit and seeing all the flow artists that traveled from all around the country and 
I really want to get into like fire mace and things like I think when I go, I'm going to be either facilitating or co-facilitating a camp that's for flow state, the flow state crew. That's nice. a great Whatever idea. Whatever that looks like. Can you talk a little bit about Flow State Summit? I'm so sad we sure. only got to have a glimpse of it, but I can't wait for next year because it looked amazing. Yeah. So Flow State Summit was um, an idea that I've been sitting on and thinking about for a couple of years. It went through many renditions and um, I live at this beautiful property called the Lookout Arts Quarry, which is a circus arts community and a place where we host artists in residency to come and basically have a, a really sustainable place in community where they can work on an art um, project or something where they're they're going to do a screening or they're going to do they're going to get feedback from our community at, at the end of their month stay. Mm-hmm. So living at the Lookout Arts Quarry has been really instrumental in allowing me to then create my own like mini festival summit. And I call it the Flow State Summit, but it definitely has elements of festival culture in it because this is a festival grounds. Like we have many different festivals at this property. We just finished our uh, 11th year of Shebang Fest, which is a circus. Uh, it's like a very fringe sort of circus uh, event with a lot of professional circus performers from our extended like national and international community that come in for this event. So being on the shebang committee for last year for like sponsorships, for example, that was my like area that I worked on and just being part of like plugged into that community gave me a lot of experience to be like, all right, I can do my own thing. I plan seminars all around the world. I can promote it. So flow state summit as a whole, um, it basically merges a ton of different disciplines in like the flow science or flow psychology or flow movement sector. So we had a level three Wim Hof instructor there facilitating the Wim Hof uh, every morning. Like I said, we had uh, Leo Savage come in and lead Steel Mace, his foundations workshop and his flow workshop two days. We had Mark Wildman, who's a celebrity trainer based out of LA and a longtime colleague of mine from the Club Bell community. Uh, he did two workshops. One, oh, his workshops are so rad. He did staff fighting. So picture a bunch of like people rocking like bamboo staffs, just full on, just like swinging them at each other's head and blocking and like getting low and like traveling. And then that was day one. And then the next day, he'll be back next year, uh, was machetes. So we had machete fighting which was rad. And we had acro yoga. We had Melanie Lady Base. Uh, Love from, Mel. Yeah, she came down from uh, Vancouver. Uh, yeah, Vancouver. She Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, she's in Vancouver. She came down and led that. Camelia Ney, who's also like a very experienced contact uh, performer and acro yogi, led some partner yoga workshops. I taught my club bell yoga and rhythmic yoga. We had a floating dock with a DJ set up like right above it so we would have music all day and like a party like we had sup yoga we had a sponsor flow motion uh, sponsored us with these cool flow workout boards so we had like a pod of of sup yoga sort of thing happening so that was all like all day you'd have all these different immersive experiences and workshops we also had a dome uh, with different we had like embody love movement which is founded by dr melody moore and minta all red led that uh, the first time she's ever allowed men in this it's usually just for women and body image but she opened it up to men too so that was really rad um so we had like more of like the mindset sort of meditation or we had compassionate dialogue in the dome um and this was all by day so you'd be like 
you know, going all your workshops by day, getting your fill. We had a community breakfast and then it would switch over into like the evening time at eight o'clock on both Friday and Saturday. We had, we had professional circus performers and they were not expecting that. Like the participants, that wasn't really like listed anywhere, but of course I live in, it's a, I live amongst a lot of circus performers <laughs> that professionally like tour in Europe and they do like this professionally. So we had like aerialists, we had a contact juggler, we had, um, amazing. we had levity, which is a troupe out of New Orleans. They did this amazing like hour long performance on Saturday. So then it was just like blowing their minds because it was like being able to see like what this practice and discipline of like really like getting into that flow state with your art, like what it can be like on stage. Um, And then I think for myself, like I've been training aerial silks for a couple of years now and training now with my mace and more of like a performance style. Like that's the next level for me as a movement practitioner is getting into performance because you're commanding the audience in a different way it's so scary (laughs) yeah but it's like do something that scares you exactly Um, so then that would that happened like we had the circus performances and then it's like it was like overwhelming for some people like not everyone could handle it like do the whole thing (laughs) but I'm just like raging and like doing the whole thing and running the whole thing it was like a different kind of high Uh, but then we had we had 25 local like DJs for all the way from Seattle to Vancouver on two different stages plus the the dome had like another like people would just plug in because there were so many djs there so we had like it was like going off at night till like four or five a.m <laughs> nice. and some people had never been to a festival before and that was oh, like wow. so special because like for me i love festivals and yeah. it's like totally part of like who i am and to be able to expose people to that on that level that are totally from people that have followed me in club of yoga for a long time or they maybe just came for wim hof they didn't know all that extra stuff was going to be happening surprise yeah it was like all right here you go welcome to plus state summit it's such a beautiful space and a perfect space for everything that you were doing um the water and the swimming was yeah and i never would have imagined there was that much going on because we were (laughs) five minutes down the road helping (laughs) at another festival Mm -hmm. that was just a small festival of friends and so we did that, and then we were like, all right, well, our festival's over. We'll go swing by and check out yours. And we walk in, we're like, what? What time did you guys get there on Sunday? Because I think you guys came at the tail end. Like, people were kind yeah, of winding there, it like, down. Yeah, noon. Okay. I think, yeah, I think your, your class was just finishing, and things cool. were kind of wrapping up. The DJ's like, all right, I'm good. I'm done. And so we were like, oh, I guess things are kind of tailoring off. But there were still people around, and we got to see Melanie, who... Nice were um, teaching the vinyasa classes at her acro intensive in Tulum. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, you are? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be teaching the morning classes and then her and April are doing the acro intensives. And so it'll be really fun to join forces with them uh, in Mexico. I love her so much. Yeah. We were driving into the driveway into Flow State and the steering column on our truck shattered. Oh, no. Like, what does that even mean? It was so bizarre. I, I, Did you guys stay know. the night? Did yeah. You yeah. Because <laughs> we were, yeah, we were like, I don't know how to deal with this right so now. So I ended up driving home. With- Did you guys pr- go to the saloon stage like late at night when we had like, that was like all production crew you guys no. did you miss that party yeah. we went to we sleep passed yeah we were so hard. tired he played on the that. stage in the afternoon um what, you was, that, what was that guy's name the oh. the other dj that was there that oh was michael mike yeah yeah he, they played together yeah he 
was he was with um reva myers yeah based out of seattle and he had just come they had just driven like you guys from another thing and this next year they're like we want to be more involved because yeah they had just come from like a moon circle gathering he's like really down in san diego yeah yeah <laughs> and so we had met them at the beginning of the summer they came and took one of our classes at monkey loft for yo yo yoga nice. and so we had just met him he came up to me he's like what song is this and like i showed him the song and then he came up to me like when we saw him at flow state and was like dude i'm so obsessed with all of that music right now he's dude like, when he was playing at the saloon i was like i could hear it off in the distance i'm like where was this dj like the whole time like <laughs> that was like, both of us i want you guys two of them yeah <gasps> so him I and i were just like up there doing trip. like two for two on slots just sitting great. there playing and there was no one in the crowd because like everyone was basically gone or they're down or at the, the water, the water. Yeah. so there was a few and you just didn't see so, them they yeah, were so they would top. like intersperse and they would like a few people would come through and one kid came through and just started dancing so hard for like <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes and Probably then he just like flopped and just like and then there was a whole moving. crew of people <laughs> up in that loft part like, yeah where the couches and stuff were yeah, so yeah. i don't even know if they were aware of that they like yeah, you could tell they had had a good weekend and they it were like, just... we're going to come up here and cuddle and listen to good music. <laughs> nice. so. And then we had friends who played at the festival that we were at as well. So I played at that festival before those five minutes away and some other people did too. And that crew also played at Flow State. What? Yeah. So who? it was uh, Jade. Oh. That was doing oh, all the sound stuff. That was the festival that you were at. Yeah. me and yeah. Jade, he was like helping me man a lot of the music. Uh-huh. Okay. Huh. And so it was Jade and the crew that he was with. Um, and he was with several other people, the friend zone crew. So it was like mm-hmm. Andrew and let's say It's Rob amazing that they made it work in that weekend. That's the thing about Washington in the summer is we have so many cool events. So much. We well, have like eight weeks. You had Cascadia <laughs> the same weekend too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like there were three things going on basically in northern Washington at the same time. Within like 10 minutes of each other. Yeah. And so, but I talked to that crew and when they showed up at APOG, the thing we were at, they were like, dude, it was so cool. Like, they were like, the saloon stage was so much fun. And so then I, we show up on Sunday and I went and played on that same stage, but with like... Well, it was yeah. funny it was too great. because they're like, I was like, how was it? We're going there tomorrow. And they're like, be prepared. There's a lot of really fit people and a lot of naked people. And we felt really out of shape. And I was like, oh, okay. And then we get there and I feel like George and I are like semi in shape. Like we're definitely working a lot more than taking care of ourselves at the moment it's just kind of hustle mode clubs right now it's the clubs in the maze i'm telling you yeah and then we get there and we're like as we are definitely the least in shape people here which rarely happens Not for true. us um yeah i think so we're definitely like, looking around like whoa that's but that's funny that you perceive that though because like somebody else mentioned that they're like everyone on your poster has their shirts off and looks really buff and i'm like that was an accident it's just they're embodying flow so much that they don't wear clothes but it's a different yeah. it's a different type of in shape like i think um it's really easy to get hung up on aesthetics of the gym world and so like i have an eye for when i know people are in functional anatomy functional shape (laughs) i go to the gym yeah he'll be like oh look at look at that guy he's ripped and i'm like yeah but he he can't do anything like Mm -hmm. i can see Mm -hmm. it i can see it on legs (laughs) well or just the the range of motion you can tell he probably can't scratch his own back but you know he (laughs) is super buff (laughs) so that's what i was really amazed by when i was there you could just see the amount Mm -hmm. of yeah the humans that turned strength. out for that event were just all like i call them light warriors but they were totally like on the level like nobody touched their phones for the whole time like people were just connecting and opening up to people and like making people feel welcome there was such a collaborative energy and like a high vibe going like it was like we were hi- like high on each other's vibes for like 
two or three days and then i then there's the the festival come down yeah <laughs> i didn't do any drugs at the festival at all and i was just like high on the energy i'm like wow this is like a totally different experience yeah, yeah. there are definitely some tangible vibes <laughs> Would you say that there that there is at, at all any kind of a drug culture there? My guess would be more on psychedelics, the psychedelic and sure. yeah. mushrooms and um, acid. I think, but it was very it was more like microdosing. I didn't see anyone like totally tripping balls, mm-hmm. but you know that night crowd. I'm sure like people like we had a lot of we gave a lot of tickets to the artists like as part of their pay, and so there was this whole other like night scene that would happen. There was like the people that came like as you know they're buying tickets and then there's people that were like gifted tickets from their artist friends so we had like we had like merged the festival and music world with the people that were there more for the summit i love it i love it though because it all it all it's all the same and and we tend to get really divided like these are workout style people and these are festival well, everyone, style people yeah, and got and to it, experience it together and yeah. and the, and i think the people that were there like with their artist friends got to experience some really cool modalities that they maybe not wouldn't have had a chance to experience like the staff and the mace and yeah was it an all ages festival i didn't notice if there was many kids or families um, or anything it's definitely like an 18 and up festival just because of the mace and that some of the machetes and like stuff's kind of dangerous for people mm-hmm. um and we had a couple people that were on our crew that had like new babies that we, they just kind of had their babies in their camp and it was chill um but we, we went back and forth like should we make this in all ages and but i really wanted to ha- have it be another uh, adult learning experience and to facilitate that space for people to go deep and to really like feel and experience what it means to practice all these different flow modalities and what it means to them to be in community and what it means to them to be in nature so I think having having it be 18 and up was nice because it felt more like an adult retreat versus like a family-friendly event and I have a five-year-old like I didn't have my five-year-old there but I think uh, that's just gonna be how it how it goes because it's a summit and it's an educational summit and I think sometimes like if a kid's in a class like crying it can be distracting for sure is he Cedric right mm-hmm. is he bless you is he Excuse getting me. into flow arts that whole flow art <laughs> oh world? my god! I could see him being like a little fire spinner or yeah something. so he has a little ninja sword that he just like used at shebang like and he just tucks it into his little backpack like his little coat behind his back and then he whips it out and he does all these cool like ninja moves so and he does club out like he has the three pound club so he knows how to do like gamma casts and things and then something cool happened at shebang the last festival we just had to close out our festival season at the local arts quarry um he busted out one of the extra like bamboo staffs from mark's mark wildman's workshop at flow state summit we had a bunch of them under the big cedar stage and somebody uh, i just gave like a quick little lesson on like how to block and how to swing and he literally spent like two and a half hours sword fighting bondo staff fighting with this this guy josh and another kid and he was just loving it like it's it's just cool because it's actually like striking and he's five and so he's just like embodying the little ninja warrior inside of him <laughs> and, Proud he's, and he's doing it in real life in real life yeah instead of in a video game yeah which i have nothing against video games i absolutely <laughs> love video games but you can I also, get into flow state with video games too i guess yeah but i love that idea of being able to allow your imagination to create something on its own yeah so yeah he's totally like embracing like we've been there for two and a half years now and he swings on the aerial silks he's very movement oriented and he's very confident and 
Yeah, he's a magical good, he's a good place <laughs> to raise a kid for sure. And so, does he go to school nearby there? Do you yeah, homeschool? he goes to kindergarten. I thought about homeschooling and non-schooling for a bit, mm-hmm. and did some research on that. What is the difference between? I keep hearing that's a new phrase, the non-schooling Non-school? thing, and I, do, I haven't looked into sure. it yet. So, homeschooling is basically taking the academic curriculum that you would receive at a public facility where all of the Uh, subjects are organized into science math and English and stuff like that and you're just basically bringing that into the home environment so you're basically taking the manufacturer model which is like pretty much what our school system is is like based on the Ford manufacturer like you know go to class when there's a bell switch gears do the thing regurgitate things in test form and you're taking that into the home setting whereas non-schooling is definitely not taking that approach it'd be like the opposite it'd be like experiential learning or like critical thinking or like there's this cute little girl I forget her name like Coral something or other on YouTube I don't know if you guys Mm -mm. but she she like did a project um where she like refuted something that Dr. Oz said (laughs) about like organic spinach or something like that was her project where she basically wrote a letter and and did a bunch of research like a three-minute spiel on like refuting why Mm. organic spinach is better than frozen spinach or something like that so it's like giving a kid an actual like real life sort of applied project that, yeah. they, that they can do and then she was like using media and learning how to articulate and yeah that's like one it example of non-schooling very similar to my kids grew up in Montessori education and the Montessori school that they went to was very much like that it was very self-guided and what is your kid into and what are they interested in and let's figure out the way that that's going to look in the way that they learn um but then we transitioned them to public. My daughter was in sixth grade when she switched over. It was a hard transition. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, now that she's in college, it's a matter of going back to that idea of, like, what are you actually interested in? What should that look like? And maybe it has nothing to do with a four-year university. Um, but Yeah, I definitely have my thoughts on the whole university system. Like, I went to school and have a master's, so I have, like, a piece of paper that says I'm qualified to do things. But a lot of the stuff I've learned has been applying it and trying and failing and starting multiple businesses and none of that stuff I really like learned in school like how to believe in yourself or how to be creative in website design and like all that stuff's kind of learned after Uh, but I did I did enjoy that aspect of like learning how to research and learning how to synthesize research was super helpful and then learning like lab stuff because I studied a lot of science so that was really helpful but I I think that you can totally learn that stuff outside of the university as well so what I've experienced being adjunct faculty is that kids nowadays just want to get the grade and get the paper and get out and they don't necessarily not all they don't always value the education process or the journey and I really think that's lacking is like we need more creativity in schools and we need more applied learning and like what it's really like in the real world (laughs) like what is what is the state of entrepreneurship right now like what does it mean to be your own boss and to to have the discipline to like create constantly create and be not be afraid of failing so that's where it the non-schooling idea sounds amazing and obviously in your mind that sounds amazing too but you still chose to send him to kindergarten yeah yeah and i'm sure some of that stems from being a single mom Mm -hmm. and i know antonella's dealt with that a lot too um i guess does a lot of that stem because the the inability to, to come up with enough of a curriculum 
I guess inability is not the right word, but to come up with enough of a curriculum would almost be a full-time job for you to do the non-schooling right. oh, type yeah, thing. for sure. But then you also have to support yourself and your child. Yeah, and so at the end of the day, it came down to time and resources. So, you know, I'm an entrepreneur with many different projects that are in their, like, they're, like, close to their tipping point, I would say. A lot of them with Club of Yoga, Flow State Summit, Kinesiology Yoga is another program I'm working on. So I'm very much in that, like, my second kid is my work, my job right now. So I um, was offered this, like, pre-K program for Cedric and it was like paid for by the state where he could go and do pre-K. So he did six months of pre-K when he was like four and got to get the experience of going in and taking the bus every day to school and social Mm. interactions. And his teacher was lovely. His teacher this year is lovely. Like they really do care. And it's like an art. It's like they have a lot of arts in their school. So I just kind of weighed my options. I was like, all right, my kid really needs to be socialized. Like he's a very extroverted human and he's very high engagement. Like I I think it would benefit him to be in an an environment where like I've already taught him how to like write all his letters. He's like starting to read. Like he knows like basic math and stuff. Like we work on that stuff. I read him, read to him often and you know, allow him to create. And like, we have our own like little homeschooling stuff at home with at the quarry where he's like doing things. So I guess it's just like kind of merging both worlds. And now it's like a bonus that he's at school, you know, learning in that traditional environment. But honestly, like the one thing he learned in pre-K was like, he learned how to color in the lines. And that's like all that he took away from like six months of and going on the playground. So it's really like glorified babysitting that's really engage, engaged, but the uh, they're like hard skills like reading and critical thinking, like I've got to work on that stuff with him too. Do you foresee that shifting at all in the future, getting into, you know, elementary school or into high school? Yeah. And that's a long way I would consider, you know, having him in an alternative like exploration school. Like in Bellingham, we have a lot of private schools, like charter schools that they go out in nature a lot and they do their science classes in nature. They're quite expensive. So I think as, you know, as that becomes more available, like when money's not an issue, then totally I'll put him into like a private school that's more, um, I guess, geared towards that sort of experiential learning. Yeah. And that's where you have to keep that big picture thought of right now he's fine where he's at and he's getting what he needs but later he'll need more so now your focus is on all of these businesses and creating enough um, excitement around them that they tip over into something that is financially fruitful for you enough to be able to go you can go to whatever school you want here you go yeah and I I'm very dedicated to that and like I'm building a team of um, next year I'll be training master coaches for Club El Yoga and growing it and expanding so that people in, in Spain and Budapest, I have two coaches I've been mentoring for about three or four years there, that they're ready. Like they've got their 500-hour yoga teacher training. They've been teaching Club El Yoga actively. So I my plan is to actually hold a 200-hour teacher training at the Lookout Arts Quarry, which leads it'll be leading up to the Flow State Summit. And we'll be doing like a four to five week intensive uh, and getting like a like a 200 hour yoga certification so that i can then they could become master coaches for club and yoga. so will it be a 200 hour vinyasa certification or will it be a 200 hour club bell yoga it will be a 200 hour vinyasa certification that's recognized mm-hmm. by yoga alliance mm-hmm. and it will just have a non-dogmatic approach to teaching yoga asana that's based on you know fascia flow state mobility 
and club bell yoga will be a, a weekend module within the course. So you'll Very leave cool. you'll leave the 200 hour teacher training with a club bell yoga cert and primal 12 cert and a 200 hour certificate. Because mm. the one problem that people have ran into is they they get come out of club bell yoga two day seminar and they they don't have a 200 hour teacher training under their belt. So no yoga studio is gonna like even if they're a great instructor because right. they have they're a personal trainer or whatever, they're not gonna hire them because they don't have a 200 hour. So tackling that problem when is that gonna be uh well i would like to have it next year but it'll probably be like a pretty small beta test next year uh with like a lot of local people and then the following year it'll be like a full-blown i'm a forever student so i keep (laughs) shopping around for additional i mean i've 500 eryt like i've got a lot of training under my belt i don't even know how many hours at this point i could probably (laughs) keep paying yoga alliance and get like whatever the next thing is after that but i don't really want to keep giving them money do you guys have a 200 hour tell me because i wasn't sure yeah we're in the middle of it right now yeah we're about halfway through our current crew of teachers how long have you guys been doing your 200 hour and where is it is it at bala No, no we do it here you do it here. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, last year we did it at UW uh, at the Bothell location, and that was fine. But the last five days we did here just to kind of have an immersive like family here, experience. Here, like yeah. at the property. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll show you the cool. spot. Oh, my gosh. We had like a little immersive five-day thing at the end, and every single one of them were like, why didn't we just do it all here? This is way better. So <laughs> this year we decided to do it on site. And, um, yeah, I uh, co-led and assisted many trainings over the years actually was one of the teachers in Jordan's training back in the day and then um kind of stepped away from that uh what is that like four years ago now three years ago now um just started to have issues with the way that program was being run and and wanted more say in in mm, the energy that was being exchanged and um so we decided to do our own and we had our first group last year and this is our second group this year we probably would do more could we if we could figure out time wise we just have like you a lot of things on our plate and so right now doing about one a year seems to be a good good pacing um but ours i would say is a 200 hour vinyasa certification like if you go get your checked off mark from the yoga alliance but we do we do a lot of things in it you know we make sure that they have yin and um, some hatha style training, nice. not Bikram, but like actual hatha. And uh, we had an acro as like acro. our community based idea. Acro's to in there it. too. Yeah, we cool. do yeah. acro, and um, it's definitely mm, it's an interesting blend. Like it, it just keeps evolving. I would say that it's very focused on your personal journey and evolvement and family, really giving them each other as this gift of like you are going through an experience that is going to change your life uh, should you choose to be really vulnerable and these people are here to go through the experience with you and we're here to support you and uh, we've talked about doing some abroad doing like a three-week intensive or something but right now we've settled on doing ones that are running the course of like five-ish months you know maybe two to three weekends a month kind of thing locally um because it is a big commitment and but but what we love about that is like our we're about halfway through with this current group and i just sent out the message to last year's graduates and said hey we're opening up the month of September. So whatever lectures and classes we're teaching, like you guys are welcome to come and be a part of it. And they're so excited because 
they graduated over a year ago and they still all connect and see each other, but they miss that training environment and they miss being with us and they want to meet the new, new teachers and they want to, you know, support them and, and give them a hug and say, I know what you're going through right now. Nice. And so oh, it's, so it's awesome. very like, family a, oriented. We attempt a very heady teacher training. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our goal. It's like how, like I have a minor in philosophy. And so like, we really try to get, um, deep into the psyche of it all and mm-hmm. make it like interesting nice. and complex um, and not focus, like you said, so much on the dogma of it. Uh, we do add in the acro that makes it very community based. And that's why we do acros because it's community based, not because we're super good at doing crazy tricks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many other people that are crazy <laughs> on Instagram. That we, like like uh, circus performers. Yeah. Like they, they can do crazy things. Like we're not that type. We're just like... Uh, we have so much other stuff going on and we aren't necessarily like pushing as that to be our thing to do the craziest stuff. But so the, the acro part is you're not getting certified in anything acro related. Like you mentioned through your training, your plan is to have them be club bell certified and also a 200 hour Mm -hmm. certification. Ours is just a 200 hour certification with a bunch of taste tests of other things kind of littered throughout it so that they can kind of see what they like. Um, because then we do continuing ed modules. So we oh, also nice. offer throughout the year um, anywhere from 25 to 50 hour modules for people who are already teachers. So cool. if they want their yin certification or they want uh, advanced sequencing, I'm a composer when it comes to sequencing classes and it's really fun and uh, dynamic for me to play with. And um, so, yeah, I, I would say that it's an ever evolving course for sure. And then we actually, um, hire out our anatomy section to Dr. Patty Shelton, who's a local doctor around here. And she's also a yogi and we had her on uh, the podcast. If you want to listen fantastic. to that episode, and she's, Sweet. she went, what does she study? Uh, I don't remember anything specific. I don't remember what her degree is, but she's but a her, very she smart. She has a book called The Yoga Doctor and it's wow. basically, um, how to have a practice for life, you know, how to really be able to practice in a way that you can do this forever and, and be mindful of the way the body actually works versus the way we kind of try to force it sometimes in in asana practice. And yeah, we love it. I love creating this space and watching people grow and change. And we're about halfway through this current 200 hour and we've had some implosions for sure it's interesting to watch (laughs) no in a good way like people's relationships outside of not the relationships within the training community but um maybe ones that aren't servicing them uh a couple marriages a couple like really intense things and so we're getting you know them calling us or messaging she not so secretly really enjoys i love it (laughs) because i I know it's coming i see it coming like they're drawn to it for a reason yeah when you're going through like a big growth process which often does correspond with taking a yoga teacher training because you're really Mm -hmm. stepping into a different role of like i'm gonna lead i'm gonna hold the space for other people to heal sometimes you shed other layers of humans that were we warned them contracts are up (laughs) we warned them ahead of time we were like there's gonna be there's gonna be some stuff that you're gonna go through and i think they kind of like oh yeah and we we would use examples like we've we've seen this happen and jordan had it happen in his and and uh and they kind of just like roll their eyes like, oh, sure. And then, yeah, I think it was like by weekend two, there was already stuff brewing and they're coming to us like, whoa, I don't know if I can handle this. And I'm like, yeah, you definitely can handle this. And I know it's hard to see it now, but it's all good. 
that's where we just really try to, I guess, touch people on a much deeper level through our teacher training. Um, it's much like we have the specifics of that you have to hit this and it is a high level training, but we don't give them a template for how to teach a class. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, we don't give them any, like you were talking about, um, our school system, Mm -hmm. like the way we teach is very much like (laughs) non-schooling because we're trying to get people to think outside of the box and sequence things on their own and create things. And it's like, we're not going to tell you how to do something. We'll tell you some options, but you can do whatever you want but you have to have purpose behind it. And that's our huge thing. And you have to be able to explain that purpose. So we don't want regurgitation. We don't want a bunch of people who teach the way we teach. We want them to connect to whatever it is inside of them that that they want to share and figure out how to express that through their classes. Because everyone has their own modality, like you said. And so some people come from a weight training background. Mm -hmm. Some people come from a circus background. And so we want them to take whatever this is and create whatever they're creating, much like you've done. Just make it um, open to them. (laughs) Mine's like performance coaching. And a lot of people want to learn that though. And so there are parameters for it. But I too also encourage my students to find their teaching voice and find their coaching voice and don't have like a fluffy like yoga ohm voice if that's not naturally who you are. Mm -hmm. Like just teach it how you teach whatever your message is authentically to yourself. And sometimes they'll want like, how do I, how do I teach this? How do I explain that? And like find your words like I can tell you how I do it but that's not necessarily gonna feel or sound right coming out of your mouth and And there's so many things to constantly be learning like she said she's forever a student I think we're all forever students Mm -hmm. and that is from what I can tell different than how things used to be things used to be from what I can tell is very much (laughs) of like you have a teacher and this is your style and you pretty much stick to that style and if you switch your opinion on something you've gone back on yourself and you can't be trusted. And now things are very much this constant evolution and there's enough people that are learning new modalities. They have the science behind it. And so if you can learn something new and incorporate that into your old practice and change and then be able to share that information to other people, like that's what we're looking for. Oh yeah, I've Mm -hmm. totally watched this huge shift in the yoga community and yoga Mm -hmm. culture in the past like three to five years where People were so close-minded when I first had Club of Yoga. They're like, that's not yoga. You're That's not a, traced back to an, any sort of ancient lineage, that functional movement stuff. Like nobody gave any fucks about it. And it's just cool to see now everyone's like integrating gymnastics training and circus training and acrobatics training and acro yoga has been a huge, obviously a big reason for that shift as well. Um, but now it's then it's kind of like, it's like a double-edged sword because then it gets so big that everyone's so focused on the physical asana and the performance and the sexy. some of the heart, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's where I, I hope that we can find a balance in that. And When we first did acro, it was very much, both of us went into it with this like, meh. Eh, the, we we did it we did it for a studio that we were teaching at and we, we enjoyed it. It was kind of fun, but we were like, oh, it, it's something else to add to, you know, our repertoire of things that we have to offer it was very physical based and then we went and did it and they brought as much emotion and in family our training, yeah yeah the training that we went through and they made it a very intricate interesting thing that surpassed so much of the physical level of can you hit this pose and instead mm-hmm. it was this connection and community cool. and that like trust and, oh my and that was this big moment for both of us especially her of being like okay, I don't have to be super specific about my lineage because like 
her lineage is an extremely heady like cross mat practice two plus hour practices of like intense 360 degree movements back and forth like all the things you were talking about on like hitting the deep neurological levels in your brain mm. was all what she was about from a specific lineage of yoga Interesting. and now learning how to not dumb it down but like uh, allow barriers to entry so that people can try it baby bird it <laughs> baby, baby bird it scale it down regress baby yeah. bird it the and then and then the ones who want more they they get it like we 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 make that happen but i've changed my expectations a lot of what i think a yoga practice is supposed to look like yeah yeah, yeah. that's the name of the game is making it adaptable to any walk of life any body any like meeting them where they're at and mm -hmm. i i think for me with this next like steel mace vinyasa program that's going to come out it's going to be like really challenging for a lot of people and i'm kind of at the level now where i'm like i know there's a there's people out there that are going to practice this and put, and do the discipline of actually like getting this but it's fucking hard like it's it's challenging and it's complicated and complex in a lot of ways but everything builds you up like there, everything's regressed to the simplest form of the exercise and then it takes it you step by step into the next level and the next level and then it's like you're doing a spiritual pattern into a warrior two lunge dynamic into a side swing and, and it's just like you're training like a warrior mm -hmm. and is that something that you would suggest entry through club bell or could you enter i would say do that? club bell yoga first yeah do like get get comfortable yielding a five pound club in asana and then uh or you know do them concurrently you know because the club bell yoga serves as a as a way to build the stability and to build the body awareness and the this seven pound steel mace vinyasa program is meant to be like the next level but i mean somebody that is athletic or has been working with the 10 pound steel mace is going to pick this up and be like whoa this is cool like i want to train this way and so you yeah. said you have videos of the process now are those like uh on a streaming platform are they like purchased yeah. so i have a an online studio called fit body wellness online studio and it's basically accessible through any of my websites you can access it from club o yoga the best place to access it if you want to get all the discounts is to go to flowshala.com shala means house so it's house of flow flowshala and then just click online studio and then it takes you to all the discounted links for uh, all of my online programs and so i use I use a platform called Teachable and Teachable is just one of the best platforms for having downloadable videos in a super user-friendly format. You just create a profile and then you just log on and you have lifetime access to the videos or you can download them and keep them on your device. So that's, that's really streamlined my ability to teach high quality educational content and reach the masses that way because it's such a user-friendly platform and I've already built up this trust that that's like the level or the caliber of like teaching courses that I offer. And my would you use that as more of a supplement? Would you suggest like when you're first learning the practice to be with a teacher? Do you think you can start online? I've had clients and students that have literally just trained with me on my online courses and I show up for, they show up or I show up to their country for a seminar and that's all that they've had. And they're very much ready to go. Nice. Having a teacher definitely helps a lot, but sometimes it's just not accessible. I had another student, local student who's just a busy mom. She's an entrepreneur too. And she's literally, 
attended like one or two club yoga classes, but she took the kinesiology yoga 101 course, which is like 82 videos that break down every single club yoga exercise in its scalable, like regressible forms, every club yoga flow that's taught at my master seminar. It's like a, it's like a home version of that. And she's just taught herself, like it teaches you how to become your own coach. It teaches you the four day wave. There's a journal included into it for like mapping out your four day wave. Um, and she's the one, she also had, had an autoimmune disorder and she manages it, manages it through that practice. So yeah, I think, I think if you're really wanting to learn a thing and, and you don't have the resources to fly across the country or across the world to go see a person, like study their online stuff and take it seriously, just like you would university, like it's university level content and knowledge is power and as we educate ourselves and really understand the why or the science behind it and then we experience it that's when we can really like put it into action and and really embody it and then it becomes a practice not just theory you're so disciplined (laughs) do you have any vices or any like lazy times where you're just not feeling motivated and you have to like get back into this routine oh yeah for sure the the flow is like it's an ebb and flow and Mm -hmm. you know nothing is linear like it's all cyclical and we as humans like i've studied behavioral change pretty extensively did my master's thesis on corporate wellness interventions and how to create behavioral change and like being a physical movement coach and a personal trainer and a yoga coach for all these years it's like i know the ins and outs of it like we we become our habits and like what you do one way like what what you do uh, one way you do everything that way so it's like how can we make these like small minute changes in our daily practices to really cultivate a bigger change overall mm-hmm. so yeah i have days when i like i i got sick after doing after uh training i did two high intensity days and filmed 55 videos in two days and it was too much for my body like yeah. i just i should have had a, a day of in between to rest or something but for whatever reason i was like oh this is a good idea to book two video shoot two eight hour days of shooting steel mace vinyasa back to back like that was too much my nervous system was like yeah we're gonna just get sick and i got a little cold mm-hmm. because you know that that wouldn't I normally wouldn't do 10 workouts in two days, but you know, your body will tell you when to slow down. And so I just listen to my body. (laughs) I do two workouts in one day and my body shuts down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's too much. And so like I challenged myself to get through it, but I was like dying by the end of the two days. Like I, I, so this weekend I'm just doing one day of shooting and I'll probably do like three or four workouts and like 10 weighted flows with the, or not 10, probably like five weighted flows with the steel mace at seven pound. So yeah, like when I, but you can always come back to the wave. So if you want to start back up again, you can start with just gentle, like no intensity day, joint mobility head to toe. Like there's a simple sequence called into flow that takes your body through all ranges of motion. It just bathes your myofascial matrix and gets your nervous system turned on. Next day you can jump into yoga. Then the next day you can do a workout. You can do a 90, 30 protocol where you're doing five exercises that are you know, alternating between a primary focus and a secondary focus. This is how Club Yoga works. If you guys come to the seminar, Woo. Um, but yeah, you just train yourself on the interval. And like, once you put that timer on, that's your discipline. It's like, you don't have to think anymore because you already planned out your workout. You're doing a thing, you know, you're going to feel great by minute 12 to 18. So it's just trusting yourself but to get long does started. It, like a practice last or a workout last. Like what's your time frame? Usually like 40 minutes tops, oh, you know, it's pretty like, like the warm up and the cool down and then the meat of the conditioning. So for like those moderate and high intensity days, the meat of the workouts generally 20 minutes tops. You can increase that if you want to like 30 minutes, but you're, you only need that bout of like 20 to 30 minutes to really like get the benefits of your movement practice. 
perfect. Yeah. Yeah. With the long train. I just can't. <laughs> At this point in my life, <clears throat> we have so much going on in a great way, but uh, uh, the most that I can really wrap my head around is 30, 40 minutes. And then every once in a while, I'll do two hours of yoga, like the old days, and I'm like loving it, <laughs> but I, can't, I don't need to do that all the yeah. time. Yeah. And like peace, peak pose classes, like that's what we did when I was studying with Noah. We would do like peak pose classes where we're mm-hmm. building up into a backbend. So we do like several passes at the wheel, you know, with different areas that we're like opening up to get us to that peak pose and we're just improving a, a pose. And that's one way to train yoga, mm-hmm. also like training with a purpose, but for conditioning and to get yourself the benefit of like strength building and cardiovascular endurance, balance, proprioception, like all these other performance aspects that as yogis and as humans, we need like that's what clubbell yoga is it's like cross training for life cross training for yoga cross training for uh, whatever other modality you're training it's like it's open to all practices mm-hmm. and just makes you a better athlete and it just makes you like feel like you're more connected to your body yeah yeah have you always been active were you an active kid yeah i mean i've i've always been into like sports i did volleyball track cross country so I've always been an athlete and I still train myself like an athlete when I'm doing like the four-day wave I'll do heavy clubs training or I'm really into heavy clubs or like the steel mace like the way I practice now though with the steel mace is I'll go and we have this like uh, warehouse at the quarry look at arts quarry and we have like a PA so I'll th- I have like different mace playlists I call them like my yeah, I have like Mellow Mace playlist and like <laughs> on Spotify. Um, and I'll just put on songs that inspire me or invoke a certain emotion in me. And then I'll do um, like my warm ups with the mace. So, like my, you know, my 360 swings, my lateral lunges or whatever. There's all these movements. And our, I have a Steel Mace Flow program out with Leo Savage, which is also on my online studio too, which is like 52 videos of like educating you on the 10 pound Steel Mace. But basically connecting movements and connecting. Um, your swings into like pivots and so I dance I basically dance with the mace so so I'll do like my intervals will be like if that song's three minutes I'm doing three minutes of mace flow with a 10 pound or a seven pound mace and dancing under load and then my next song is my recovery song so then I'll do like my dancing yoga style movement Uh, very like intuitive but that's like for me like when you master a practice it's like I've mastered all these practices with club yoga and I'm still not a master at like handstands or anything, but I feel like I have a pretty good handle on like six degree flow, which is like a style from Scott Sonnen from CST. But now you're seeing it everywhere. It's just like that body sort of rolling on the ground into like tripods into dancer's bridge into like, you know, like being able to back roll and stuff like that. So I'll just alternate between a, a weighted flow song and an unweighted flow song for like an hour. And I feel so good after and it's like gives me time to be creative, express myself. There's another element of like beyond proprioception, which is interoception. So like our ability to really sense our body's overall well-being um, and also like the energetics and emotion behind movement. So that's like the next like that's where performance kind of comes in. It's Mm -hmm. like you're tapping into a different like level of consciousness when you perform and express yourself through movement. Nice. I can't wait to go try it. I'm super excited now. I hope we can make that happen in our schedule. Yeah. I have to look at October. Is that on a weekend that it falls? It's on a weekend. So I've got a really busy October. I'm going to Divine Play. Jason Niemer just invited me to that. So I'm going to go and meet him and spend some time with him. And I'm bringing all my still mace. So if anyone's going to Divine Play, I don't know, this podcast might come out before or after that. Um, yeah, that. And then the Wanderlust has an event like right after my Club of Yoga seminar called Wanderlust Wellsprings. 
which is corporate wellness. You guys heard of it? Yeah, it looks bit. awesome. It's the first time I think that they've done it, so I'm curious to hear more yeah, about Russell it. Russell Brand's going to be headlining. Oh, wow. I'm yeah. pretty stoked. I want to meet him. Where's that in Colorado? It's in Palm Desert. Oh, Palm Desert. Palm okay. Yeah. But yeah, so my Club All Yoga seminar is October 20th through 23rd. And so it's like two, it's a Saturday, Sunday is the Club All Yoga one. Mm-hmm. So I recommend starting with that. And then there's the advanced Primal 12 is after. So it's like high intensity interval training with the Club All Yoga. Cool. And then I'll be doing another one in March. And then I do, I do my annual dual seminar retreat on Orcas Island every August. So there's lots of opportunity. Everything's on the Club All Yoga dot tv website under events but we'll Very get cool. you guys plugged in for sure because i do like three or four regionally per year and i'm trying now that i have the flow shawl i'm just trying to bring more people here because i can really control that environment and have yeah. the experience be consistent where sometimes i'll show up at a gym and like no they don't even have yoga mats and they don't have any essential oils or any <laughs> bolsters and i'm just like they don't even care about like they're just like renting me the gym in some sweaty gym in new york or something so i i prefer yeah. to like have like I think when you're coming for your first teacher training, it's like a special experience sure. <laughs> and I for want sure. people to like feel the vibe. So is there anything you're trying to manifest or get out into the universe that you want to make happen? It could be on a romantic level, relationship wise, if you even have time for that, um, with your child, <laughs> with your business, with your health. Like, I would say I'm in a constant state of um, manifesting ideas into reality. Mm-hmm. Like I have a journal that I keep and I look back on things I've written down and ideas that I've had floating around in my head and they always like all of them have self-actualized except for the book that I want to create. So I'm trying to dedicate time this, this winter to really studying, um, trauma, psychosomatic illness and neuroscience and just really like, uh, allowing, uh, giving like an approach for people to integrate these different flow practices so that you can better understand how to release trauma in your body. And that's what the book will be about. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say that would be something to manifest is like typing and writing because I took a break from blogging for a while. I was used to be really into blogging when I first started Club of Yoga. And then I was like, I don't want to convince anybody anymore of this thing, that this thing is effective. Like I, I just like lost that fervor to be like, try this. It's going to be awesome because like when you're trying to sell your own thing, like nobody gives a care, no yeah. one cares. But then when other people start like realizing that it's highly effective and it's healing their, you know, their tra- trauma in their back or their autoimmune disorder, then people start to care and turn. And <laughs> those people will then become the disciples. Yeah, and yeah. they'll go tell people about. Yeah, it. but I think the the book thing, something that's been on my heart for a while. I'm like, I need. I feel like it's in my path to write a book and to to really like do the research that's involved because I think it would be taking my like experience and the science field of like kinesiology and learning how to gather a bunch of research so I can write a very science-based book that's like a non-dogmatic approach to uh, reclaiming your divine flow state. Nice. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to write it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. You guys ask good questions. (laughs) I'm really enjoying it. hanging out with you guys. Good. It's been a while. Can I just like, just bring back like a memory of like meeting you guys? Yes. Please do, because I vaguely remember, but I want to hear your version. Everybody's okay. experience is different. <laughs> so I believe I met you guys, Cedric was probably like two, so it was probably like three years ago, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was Paradiso yep. in the Dome. Yep. So it was it was Paradiso, which is like a giant EDM festival at the Gorge, Washington, uh, their first year implementing the Dome as like a yeah. harm reduction, uh, part of their harm reduction 
approach. Yeah. And I had been volunteering with Conscious Crew and, and helping the Conscious Crew people uh, like learn better meditation and self-care techniques for after they've served on Conscious Crew because Conscious Crew is like a volunteer organization, as you guys probably know. But for some of the listeners, it's like a crew that goes around and makes sure that they're the first responders for people that are having like pretty heavy like drug just people that look like they might be overdosing on on drugs and combination or, or even drugs people that are like dehydrated, dehydrated or just yeah. like anything yeah. yeah people that need help at a large event and they just and need don't somebody. want it from a police officer yeah they or they don't want to be sent to the ambulance but yeah. or there so yeah you guys are part of that crew and um you guys knew, I think Spencer, do you guys know Spencer? Who's mm-hmm. part of the Conscious Crew? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, we just, I just remember you guys rocking that RV. It was like this, what was the name of your RV? <laughs> the Jamboree. The Jamboree. The Jamboree, okay. And that's the one that uh, broke down on us a bunch of times. In the <laughs> it made it to man. the gorge. Great. And it's then yeah. old, oldie but a goodie. Yeah. So yeah, I just remember you guys rocking like your animal onesies. Like yeah. I just have this like permanently <laughs> burned into my psyche of like you guys doing acro in your animal onesies and yeah. just everyone came to your class. No Nobody came to my class. They did not. Like, I had, like, one person. So, and Riley was DJing and everything. But, um, so, yeah, that was my first experience That's meeting you guys. That's festival yoga, though. You never know <laughs> yeah. what they're going to what they're gonna show up for. And we teach at Dirty Bird Camp Out every year. And um, last, when we taught in Florida, Florida in February, um, our first class was packed. And then the second class, there was, like, three dudes that were out of their minds on something and they, they were just really drunk in my opinion was it yeah oh okay they were wasted but like out they couldn't heads. even cold a conversation <laughs> or a down dog or anything so we were like all right i guess they were like twerking and down dog <laughs> i guess like, this is what we're doing i was cracking up okay. really hilarious. so festival yoga yeah you definitely can't one you can't take bad. it seriously and two you can't yeah you just show up and hold space but but the people you meet though like there's Mm -hmm. been people that have been in my festival yoga classes that have then you know come to other classes it's like it's like a spark that gets lit so it's like never underestimate that one person that's in your class that may look really hungover but there it could be like a life-changing thing or it could be the person that's sitting on the sidelines just watching that too yeah Yeah. we've had that a lot where people will sit and just watch us do acro or something and they won't come and join the class but Mm -hmm. they'll just be there and we'll invite them and they're like no i'm good and then later later, Mm -hmm. they show up yeah and it's the relationship it's like this the relationship of student teacher that's like developed it's like that's at the core root of like being a yoga teacher it's like holding that space to to cultivate relationship and and hold that space for them for growth Mm -hmm. yeah that community is kind of everything that we try to do like we both love teaching yoga and it's a great way to connect to people but we kind of try to do that with our teacher trainees when they graduate like we try to in in as many ways as possible quench the teacher trainee thing it's like i'm not your like (laughs) her big thing is like i'm not your guru yeah you know like it's it's kind of what i brought up with wim hof it's easy to like Mm. look up to someone and be like oh i idolize that person i want to be like them lots of faults yeah we're all going through our same shit like we're all different ages at different experiences at different times like our end goal is how can we all commune together in a way that makes this place better Mm-hmm. Instead of assuming that one person is better than the other because this one thing that they do well, I don't know. People, yeah. Oh, I have a, I've experienced that. Like, I was mentored by Scott Sonnen, who's like a, you know, he was like a voted like top 25 trainers, celebrity trainers in the world. And he's just like a brilliant, brilliant person. And I had a very close relationship with him for my first like bout of like five or six years. But then, 
slowly over time it's like he got so big and so famous and so like well known that he had to like close off and he couldn't be available to everyone anymore and at first it was like really heartbreaking for me because I really like relied on my coach for a lot of things and then I sought out other teachers like I sought out Noah Maze and then I just realized that there's other ways that your coach can still be your coach or your mentor or your guru or whatever can still teach you it was like he was teaching me to go out on my own and to like create my own body of work and you know to also lead others and to also create those boundaries with others too and so mm-hmm. I'm still learning from him even though like we don't have as close of a personal relationship anymore but I'm carrying out his work in this other way now and I, I feel honored to be able to to do that but yeah I totally went through like it's so traumatic when you're like I need you like you need yep. your coach or your guru or whatever and then you realize you're, you have a guru within you like we yep. all do that's exactly what we're teaching is giving them the tools to find their their teacher which is inside and and we can help facilitate that but I definitely have a lot of flaws myself and I change my mind on things for sure <laughs> as I've my practice has evolved and my body has has really changed and evolved a lot I have a, my opinions change as well and it's nothing that I say is meant to be gospel it's meant to be thoughts and conversation and intrigue and then maybe get them thinking a little bit more about their body and their experiences and we're always very open to conversation right so even in lecture like yes we're teaching you things but uh, I want to hear what your thoughts are and what your experiences are and I want to learn from you as well and I think at first that can be a little confusing for them because a lot of people are looking for this person that's going to be you know, give them all the ways. And yeah. it's like, okay, I'll give you some ways, but they, they might not actually be the right ones for you. And and I know that similarly, I miss, at times I really miss having my teacher or a teacher that's really like someone that I can turn to and learn from constantly. But I think that changes and I'm not in that phase right now of life of having that go-to. I've kind of been set off on a path to to do that more myself and to create things in my own life and I'm sure it will come back to it where I'll come back to a phase in my life where I meet a teacher that I feel really compelled to study under and be close with and then that will change and it'll end and then we'll be sent off with our little tools in our toolbox and yeah one person I really look up to in the yoga world is Kina McGregor mm-hmm. I feel like she really embodies like what it means to be a yogi she's put out so much like free educational content she just always has like warm attitude and warm heart so I look up to her like she's not my guru though but I feel like she's doing something right she's Mm -hmm. doing good stuff in the world and serving and also Shiva Ray and I just recently learned that Shiva Ray has like some cancer oh yeah and I was yeah yeah so sending her a lot of good vibes she's done so much in the community of women and growing you know, vinyasa and our, and like flow. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to meet her at Wanderlust once and was like asking her about like, what do you think about, uh, I just raised my hand and her like got the Q and A and I was like, what do you think about this? Like resistance I'm finding where I bring this club bell into yoga studios and they're, they just like, they, they don't care. They don't want to do it. And she was like, go to India, <laughs> study the club. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, she's rad. She's just, she's pioneering or always pioneering all of the ancient Indian modalities and going there and actually doing like staff fighting and Kalari and all things. I didn't know that side of her. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to life. There's so much out there to explore and it's, it's easy to get caught up in your, your one thing, Mm -hmm. but there's an inundation of information out there. It just, 
And we live in a world where it's at your fingertips. All you got to do is log online. You can find someone teaching something and you can expand your consciousness the click of a button. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's funny though because now like there's there's this interesting phenomenon though where there is this little like small like elite level of like yoga instructor world sort of happening which is like totally the opposite of what yoga originally was. It was like you had like five or six students, you were quiet, you studied with your one teacher, you went to the caves and meditated mm -hmm. in silence and you just explored consciousness through meditation and yoga was like a tool to get you strong enough to sit for long periods of time. And now it's just interesting to watch like how it's like a million dollar, billion dollar industry now. And there's like these giant content providers and all the things. So it's like for me as a, like a yoga instructor and somebody that is striving to create a body of work and impact people, I've had to really be like, okay, like what is the ultimate goal? Is the goal to be like super rich and wealthy and famous or is the goal to like serve people and help people? And for me, I'm just trying to find that in between of like, how can I serve? How can I show up? How can I keep things local and impact my local community and invite people to like impact their communities? But yeah. Do you have an ultimate goal of where you see all this going in five, ten years? Yeah, I'm really interested in like consulting for higher level companies and impacting their companies in a way where they understand flow state and they understand like how to, uh, I guess, serve and heal themselves. What kind of companies? Well, I've been I've been following like Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler for a while. I think that they've started this if you're to the flow genome project. No. Mm -hmm. Okay, they are basically mapping human flow in uh, the human genome by 2020. So they're doing a lot of research on like psychedelics, meditation, flow, sports, and, and like different flow arts that put you into flow state. So they, for example, I invited Jamie Wheel, bless his heart. Hi, Jamie, uh, to flow state summit. And he told me his, his like, you know, what his fee was to, to be able to, to keynote it. I like, just like, come to our arts festival. And he's like, oh, this is our, my price for that. And I was like, okay, this is definitely <laughs> way out of our budget. But I was like, holy shit, like there is a market for this. If he's doing it on that level and he's impacting the, you know, the top 10%. So we, you know, working with like Google and NASA, like I'd love to like work for NASA. That'd be rad wow. as a consultant teaching about flow like that. That would be rad. I would yeah. say that would be a goal. Um, and just to be able to just create a body of work that people really are inspired by and be able to affect like larger companies and organizations on a bigger level. Because I think this stuff is really meaningful and can help people like get out of like the constant chaos phase that we're all in. Like we're all in our prefrontal cortex, like all the time analyzing and thinking and like on our phones. And, you know, there's this like it's like an For epidemic sure. of yeah. like like fear state and we're in a low grade level of fear all the time yeah and i don't feel that anymore like i don't feel afraid of anything i don't feel afraid of failure i don't feel afraid that i'm making the wrong decisions but it's because i've like practice flow for so long on not only like the physical level like my physical practice is a flow practice and then taking all the other pieces of self-care like float therapy is now a new practice for me or meditation or cryotherapy i'd love to get started on um but also creating a four-day wave in my work life too so i've developed this like flow state of mind coaching program where i mentor budding entrepreneurs people that want to start their own businesses or build their own brand or maybe they currently have a business and then how to teach them how to how to create the four-day wave within their uh, work life practice i would love to know <laughs> that because i 
definitely feel like I hit a great flow with work and then I lose it and yeah. and it would be nice to have a system or a game plan in place to at least come back to that if it does like if you do end up having to shoot 20 hours of of mace vinyasa <laughs> you know in a day yeah. because that's the economics or that's what the videographer needs like sometimes things are a little bit out of your control but you can have a system to come back to to put everything back into place yeah so the system is similar to the four-day wave in physical training where it goes no low mod high mm -hmm. and it builds up to that high so your no intensity is your self-care so dedicating time to self-care practice to get your brain waves into theta brainwave state and out of beta which is highly correlated with anxiety depression stress so if we're spending most of our time in that beta brainwave state and we don't ever have time to actually like you can actually measure brain waves um, and get into that theta brainwave state. Then we're doing ourselves a disservice because we're we're not able to tap into our higher functioning centers of our brain, like our imagination network, mm -hmm. our salient network, um, our discipline. So um, by practicing and implementing the four day wave in your work life, it goes self care. That's like that would be like Sunday, Sunday self care day, and doing journaling, meditation daily. Then research comes up. That's our like low intensity because it doesn't take a lot of brain power to gather research. We're just collecting research and potentially reading. So we might be researching for a project, researching for a book, researching for a website, like researching for a business, like looking at different business models and what works, or like running the logistics. And then there's productivity, which is moderate intensity. And that's really where we spend a lot of our time is in that productivity phase. Mm -hmm. So the brain really can only focus and have sustained focus usually for like two hours at a time max before you need a break. So like taking brain breaks is super important. Um, so then we've got your self-care, let's review, <laughs> research, productivity, where we're creating outlines, we're writing emails, we're having our high-level meetings. Um, there's a lot of other things that fall under productivity category and then creativity is high intensity. Like that's where we peak and we need to have our self-care research and productivity build up to get us into creativity. And a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we want to tap into creativity without going through all the other steps. Mm -hmm. So we're mapping it in our brain and in our nervous system too, so that by the time we get to that creative day or like we've allotted time for creativity we've gone through those other steps and then also like integrating ritual into the creative process so just little thing like I, I do is I do like a 10 minute meditation where I visualize the people that are that the product or whatever I'm creating is going to be serving and like how it's going to impact them and just like just really hold that like heart space for like this per this is going to heal this person or you know this is going to impact this young budding entrepreneur if I'm working on something that's entrepreneurial related and then cycle back down to self-care research productivity and creativity because a lot of people think you can just do creative you can be like creative all the time but you're going to burn out just like if yeah. you're doing heavy lifting or crossfit training at high intensity every single day like there comes a point where you can't sustain that and you need to like cycle down and then do you, so this is, this is a layered question. So first off, I want to, I would love an example of like what your creativity day would like, what type of thing would you work on that day? Cause it does get a little muddy between productivity and creativity mm -hmm. of like, what's what, right? So what would be an example in your life of something that is more creative based rather than productive? So like this weekend I'm going into filming with, that would be like a creative state where I actually have to be performing on set, like with a mic and with two cameras 
cameras on me and lights and everything so I have to do the work so like creating the outline for the program researching the program like the program is written out so I have it like rehearsing it would be like productivity so I'm gonna be going home today and tomorrow to like rehearse it so that's one example of Mm -hmm. actually like high level creativity is like I have to really bring that like I'm creating a online program and resource for people like I'm creating a tangible thing that people can have and use so I think of video production or teaching is like creative but other things like if uh, like I want to redesign a couple websites so going through the stages of like researching my ideal client and what that ideal client looks like what are their what are their needs and who does how does this uh, website serve them to direct them to the different channels that can help them and so I spend a lot of time with like you know, you can do research by doing surveys or, you know, there's tons of ways to research. And then productivity would be writing my website copy. So I would take a separate chunk where I'm turned off all distractions, no phone. Sometimes I set a timer for like 60 minutes so I can have sustained focus on just that task with that. And I discipline myself to like not check social media or anything so I can stay in that focused state so I'll write all the web copy for productivity and then when I'm going into actually like creating it that'd be like I have to create a photo shoot that's going to then communicate that those ideas and that like whatever and I have tons of photos so it's like creating a cohesive photo shoot that's then going to communicate that message Mm -hmm. so that's generally like how I operate in this field but it could be in any field like if you're an author writing a book like a lot of people stay in ideas phase for a really long time and they never are able to break through so they just have these ideas that percolate forever and ever but it's like taking the small actions to like scale it down in a way that you can achieve small amounts of success even if you're you have a full-time job and you're you know building this business on the side or whatnot does that answer your question it does and then the next part so this is whole coaching <laughs> session apparently so the next thought is then if we if we have that hour increments the two hour increments what do you cut yourself off in a day because I do think um the challenge that I have is I all of a sudden I feel like I've worked the whole day because I'll kind of just so yeah you can cycle it within okay. one day okay. so you could have like an eight hour day that that cycles through self-care brain break research mm, brain break productivity brain break and then I would save create like you've cleared all that space and all this stuff in your prefrontal cortex that you've been like stressing about is gone now because you've done that and I would save creativity for like the next day but you could theoretically do it on that day too if you're really powering through but you really need to take care of your physical vessel which starts with the movement practice and the flow practice Mm -hmm. too and like meditation and then when you have when you are an entrepreneur and you have many different businesses do you mix them up a little bit on those days are you working on multiple businesses at once or do you just say like this week I'm going to focus on this business in these different ways of Honestly, like that's a really good question because I I did actually take a critical look at my business and realize I actually have six different businesses under my like Fit Body Wellness umbrella. There's six different like streams of business. And then I have like team members that like bring in other business, you know, corporate wellness clients and things like that. So I just create like a master list of like master, like I categorize it into different businesses. So I'll be like, all right, these are all the things that need to get done for club yoga seminars. And that's like a list. And there's like a list for flow state summit these are all the contracts and things I need to work on so I do I have like a lot of like high level things and I look at which ones are the most time sensitive or the ones that are most like calling to me for that week and then I'll just put them into my productivity days when I'm at the studio doing like three hours of admin work or whatnot but I can't I like if I'm at the computer for all for an entire day I feel like shit like I can't yeah, I feel do terrible. it <laughs> so I just have to break it up with like 
with meetings and video production and there's a, I just do I mean I guess I do cycle through that wave often but I also have like a pretty set schedule in my week so I know that like Friday's like self-care day and I've, I've been doing a lot of float therapy where I'd take my friends to do like have this friends float free thing right mm, now it's nice. still life float massage in Bellingham uh, so I've been bringing my friends to do float therapy, like in the middle of the week, like at two o'clock on a Tuesday. But usually my self-care day is like I'll do body work on Thursday or Friday. So yeah, just getting your wave, mm-hmm. like figure out what your wave is and like figure out what your projects are and like take that master list and then identify which on that giant master list fall into, is this research, is this productivity or is this creativity? And then, you know, you can then parse it out and it just helps you like organize things a bit more so that you have like a plan and a structure to work from instead of trying to do it all at once and getting overwhelmed Mm -hmm. so the goal is to like ride that edge of like you're right between chaos and order but you're like able to actually like harness that power because there's a lot of potential in that place between like order so actually between order and chaos because there's that moment when like you know the the temple breaks and like you're 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 transitioning from that point between like order is when the the temple is together and and then there's an earthquake and then there's chaos and it crumbles but it at that moment when you shift from order into chaos um there's a lot of potential there so i think for me recognizing that to to somebody else this might look like complete chaos but for me i've just created a structure where i can harness the potential within each project do you think that will help people unleash their creativity? Because I know Jordan kind of quickly discerns of himself not being that creative of a person. And I'm like, everyone's a creative person. But I, I think it's just harder for some people to access. But I guess if your brain is operating in that f- fear mode or um, the part of your brain is fired up too much or too often, and, and then it's hard to access the creativity center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you think this would be a good system for people who are who are kind of struggling to find what what they're excited about or what what makes them absolutely feel I've, i work with clients online and i can get you guys credentials too i've created like a primer course for flow state of mind coaching and it's called momentum so it's like an eight-week course that goes through the science of chaos and order you know what it means to be in fear state emotional freedom techniques with tapping so there's mm. like all these different little strategies that but it's really just taking you and holding your hand to get you into implementing the four-day wave mm-hmm. so as you start to get that organization it frees up space to be able to actually be creative and creativity and flow are highly correlated so you can't teach somebody to be creative but you can teach them to access flow state flow state of mind is an actual human phenomenon that we all possess as humans and we can get into a flow like you might get into it with your djing right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's probably when you're in like what does that feel like for you yeah that and yoga both a point where you stop thinking about all the specifics you're not worried about what's going on things are just happening and things happen in a way that you almost like feel like something's happening through you mm-hmm. um and it's exhilarating i see it on your face sometimes so like, oh, so what uh, what else like physically like what are some other like somatic experiences that you have in your physical vessel when you're like in that flow state like a DJing, for example. Well, the the most like obvious one is that I like don't feel the pain that I feel every day. My stomach always hurts, and when I'm in that state, you're, you're not thinking about it. You're in a completely different world, and you're so zoned in on what's happening that the external surroundings or internal just kind of turn off. And a lot of that is, I think, anxiety based, and so. 
the anxiety of being around a lot of different people. So when I first show up and stand up on a stage, it's there's a lot of anxiety that comes into that moment. And then once you finally get into the groove and you're just like doing what you need to do, that anxiety just turns off because you're less worried about that random person in the room. And instead, it's like this collective energy that you're a part of. Mm, yeah. yeah. So then it would be beneficial if you can tap into that flow state of mind in other areas of your life, not just music. So then that's where it becomes like really valuable is like, how can we implement flow into all areas, business, personal life, you know, our physical practice. And I think the structure is super important because we definitely do lots of the different self-care things where I'm a big proponent of floating. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of stuff with urban float, which is the, um, Seattle based float place. And so, uh, we do these things and I guess it, it partly comes back to what we talked about the 1% theory. Like it's, it's, I'm going and floating and I'm using the theory, but I'm not implementing it in a way that it is a regular set structure within my life. And so it's almost like neurologically, it's not hitting the depth that it could hit if you did it concurrently because I went and did a seven day float once and by mm -hmm. the seventh day it was one of my favorite floats I've ever had like I went to a whole different <laughs> world it nice. was fantastic but it was because I created that I don't know lineage in time of like all right repetition I guess you you, you just it. said it right there so when you gave yourself that container of I'm gonna do this thing for seven days I'm gonna commit to it like you gave yourself the space to actually like heal. And I think whatever it is that's holding you back from creating that discipline or that space, like maybe I'm here for a reason just to like help be a part of that process with you. Like I'm super down to do that just like as a friend. And that's, I'm like so grateful that my, like all the things that I've learned over the years from all these experts, like now I can just like help my friends. And it's mm. really cool to like, yeah, to see. Yeah. Giving yourself permission, I think is one of the hardest things. We talk about that a lot with self-care in yoga and music in general, just like the same idea of like telling yourself you're worth it or telling yourself that it's okay. Like whatever, whatever way you go about feeling that, I think giving yourself permission, I think is, is super big for me to give myself that container. Like you said, that space to be like, I'm going to go do this. Cause I'm a very all or nothing person. If I decide I'm going to do something, I'm going to fucking do it. <laughs> and I've probably spent God knows how many hours researching this thing. But to take that step from theory into practice is a huge leap for me. It's not just like, all right, let me just step over. It's like straight Hanuman status. <laughs> like I got to jump from one well, continent to I another. And I like the idea of structuring it to where you are only allowed to research yeah. here. Like his, he would, he'll get stuck in research phase. Like <laughs> yeah. I, he wants to get a supplement for the dog. And next thing you know, he has 20 tabs open and he's been researching it for days on what supplement to get the dog. And I'm like, just buy a fucking supplement <laughs> like if it doesn't work you'll get another one like our brains are really different in that respect yeah. and so i think it would be good f if there's a structure set up i think he he would find a lot of comfort in that going okay i i checked that box off i did that thing to take care of myself and and i and i didn't go beyond that and i don't feel guilty for it because it was in the plan okay now i'm going to research and i'm not going to get stuck in research phase because i know that i'm going to do x amount of research and then i'm going to move on to being productive yeah. and then oh i'm not going to try like, it out overload <laughs> <It> myself <laughs> with trying to be so productive and get everything done because i want to clear some space to then be creative
creative. And so I think that'll be really helpful. I think my brain kind of sort of already does that automatically, but I also don't deal with anxiety and stress like he does. And I, I think that would be a really helpful tool to help manage your anxieties yeah like a lot well, i yeah. love the idea let's yeah. yeah we'll keep the conversation going super stoked yeah it's funny that that like got added in at the end of that because it's like that's i see this um this transition in yoga instructors too where we're becoming more like life coaches in a way for sure and this is like another like i always i guess my coach is like 10 years ahead of the curve with club bells and now clubs are like a big thing and mace are a big thing i feel like i'm carving that space for yoga instructors to become life coaches and like do it in a non-dogmatic way that's actually based in research and it works like our brain like it's all based on our like focus like if we are multitasking all the time we're we're doing ourselves a disservice to the mm-hmm. creative work that we're creating we need to like be have sustained attention and focus and hyper focus and flow state to really get the best work out there because like what the energy and the brainwave state that you're in when you're doing creating something like if i'm having a funky day and something happened where i'm feeling really energetically like crappy i'm not gonna try to force myself to do creative work even if there's a deadline like i want that energy to go into the product that's serving and i want that i want that vibration to like carry out into the world yeah i worry at this point that i'm doing a disservice to our students because i'm not like functionally at the place that i know i can be at in a place that i've been before and uh we kind of have a new motto every year and (laughs) one of our mottos a few years ago was fake it till you make it (laughs) just three years ago yeah and uh just in its own right that's like extremely powerful like just it it was i guess it was it was fake it uh, fake it till you make it was kind of it but the the deeper underlying was act as if yeah so like act as so less about being fake and more about yeah act as if it were a reality it's already imagine it therefore it is yeah Yeah, like act as if you are that person that has it all figured out um and so i think i'm naturally good at that so a lot of people uh, gravitate towards me for that idea because I, I ha- don't have any life coaching training, but like I've done that my entire life is just coach other people in a way. Um, and I've gone through phases of being super good about my own self-care and being in a good place. But like I've over the last year focused a ton on health through diet. And so I feel like I've gotten that sorted out. I've gotten my ulcerative colitis into remission through eating healthy um, but there's still like the anxiety part. So now I'm like trying to transition to the next part. Cause I feel like I've gotten comfortable in the work that I'm doing personally. And I need to kind of step that up to the next point. And I really like the, the structure that surrounds this seven day <laughs> sine wave, which also works super well for me from a DJ music producer perspective mm-hmm. of like, okay, I can see that wave. I can visualize it in my mind. And I feel like I can then take that and like structure it out in different like four bar loops of like, <laughs> there you go. this is how I need to structure my world. So I really like it. Cool. I'm excited to see what your unique four day or sine wave looks like because everyone's different based mm-hmm. on their schedule and whatnot but once you you figure out like all right this is my structure and you start to create that discipline that's like that's really i mean y- yoga is also about discipline but it's like when we discipline ourselves like that's when we get tap into our best selves and our brain really like needs that discipline too in our bodies so yeah nice. cool 
Well, sweet. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. That was a so phenomenal welcome. conversation. Yeah. We will definitely Glad be in share. touch about a lot more things. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to share with the people? We'll, we'll post links and everything of all your stuff yeah. with the podcast. Honestly, but. I just hope that if you're listening to this podcast that you just um, marinate on it and think about what you're wanting to create in your life and what you're wanting to manifest and just allow yourself to believe that you can. And it was really nice to spend some time with you guys. I look forward to more hanging out soon. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space. And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide. 